Hello, and welcome to the Laverne Church of Christ podcast, and thank you for joining us. You can find us at 244 Old Nashville Highway, Laverne, Tennessee, 37086. We hope that any time you are in the area, you will stop by and join us for worship. Our Sunday morning worship is at 9 a.m., with Bible classes following. Our Sunday evening worship is at 6 p.m., and we also have a Bible study on Wednesday at 7 p.m. With And God made him a helper comparable to him. And I can just imagine him saying it with a very special tone. Whoa, man, this is woman. And he had to be thrilled. What a terrific blessing. Have you ever thought about how strange it is how strange it is that you're married to who you are because that person was a stranger to you probably for years and years now i met an exceptional couple some old folks in the Hartville Ohio church that used to brag about the fact that they slept together a lot before they got married. They had a picture of the two of them laying in a bassinet together. <laughs> they were not strangers who just crossed paths and were attracted to one another and got married. The vast majority of us married people who, when we met them, were total strangers. And boy, I think it's true what Dr. Dobson said. It is a phenomenal experience when you stop to think about it. It almost defies description that you could become a person married to somebody who was a total stranger. What a precious gift. What a precious, precious gift. He made them at the beginning, male and female, but then the two become one flesh. You know, that is the two-word phrase that is exclusively used for one human relationship. That makes your relationship really special. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you've counted all of them, but the United Nations has attempted to do it. According to their count estimate in 2023, there are about 8 billion of us on planet Earth. And you know how many people are in your marriage? Just you and that one other person. That makes it really special. But there's something else that makes it really special. Because sometimes gifts have great value because of who they came from. I hold this Bible in my hand that I have in my house. It's a special Bible. The reason why it's a special Bible is I didn't grow up in the church. I started attending church when I was 15 years old. I wasn't really interested in the Lord. My dad said we were going to become a church-going family. And so I went to church with my family. Not really interested in the Lord, but I saw a 15-year-old girl at church there. And I became intentionally attached to that girl who became eventually my wife, a stranger. 
that I didn't know until I was 15 years old. She morphed into my wife. Well, about six months after we started going to church, I chose to put on Jesus in baptism. My mom and dad gave me this Bible. It has my dad's handwriting in it. He had pitiful handwriting. That's why I know it's his. It says, May God be with you always, Dad. Presented to you by Dad and Mom. March the 7th. 1967. This Bible is really special to me, obviously and most importantly because it's God's Word, but also because it came from my parents, who are now deceased. The relationship that you enjoy if you're married is a precious gift that came from God. It didn't come from the government didn't come from a bunch of bright people getting together thinking that this is a really good idea. Let's do this. That precious gift you have is a gift you have from God. Whenever I see on Facebook couples that publicly recognize their wedding anniversary, which I love to see them do that, I don't just post happy anniversary. I go way beyond that. I make it a point of commenting on their post. The landmarks, I'm talking about the annual landmarks, deserve recognition. But every moment deserves to be cherished. Marriage is an unparalleled blessing. And the reality sometimes is we take it for granted. If you're sitting next to the person that you're married to, cherish that blessing. It's from God, and I guarantee you of one thing, you will never have it as long as you'd like to have it. What an awesome thing that God did, giving us the opportunity to enjoy life together with somebody else. You know, I read the Bible differently now. There are a lot of things that I read in the Bible, and they're very common things that I think about things differently now when I read them. Now, now like, for instance, in the very beginning, you've got Adam and Eve, and God's the matchmaker here, and he never makes a mistake. And what an awesome thing it is to be able to have the insight into how this all began. And here we have Adam and Eve. Now, have you ever thought about what that experience was like? Because I don't know how much time transpired between the end of chapter 2 and the beginning of chapter 3. I, I don't know anybody could, how they could determine how much time was involved in that. But let me just imagine with you what that maybe must have been like on occasion. Adam and Eve are together, and where are they? They're in paradise. They're not in the broken world we live in. They are in a paradise on earth. Honey, did you see that cat over there? Isn't it amazing, that cat? And he says, I hate cats. I love dogs. You see those dogs over there? I can imagine them going out at night. Wow, what a sunset. 
I don't know if they got up early enough to see a sunrise. But they were in paradise. And one thing that made that paradise awesome, because remember, Adam was there by himself. And it was not good, even in paradise. But when he had a wife, he was living the dream, guys. He was living the dream. What an awesome thing that would have been to have been married in paradise. They enjoyed that together. Well, then Satan comes. And then it's downhill fast. She permits herself to be deceived. And 1 Timothy 2, that's why she ate the forbidden fruit. Adam was such a clawed, such a blockhead. Be not deceived. He did the same thing she did. And that doesn't speak well of us guys. Now look what they're dealing with. Now they're dealing with the heartbreak of having broken the heart of God and dealing with the consequences of their sin. And now they're booted out of the Garden of Eden and dealing with the reality of guilt. But they did that together. And then they had a child born, a boy. Wow! Even this great? Well, let me get through the labor and travail first, honey. And then, what a beautiful thing it had to be for her to be able to hold that, that first baby. And then that second baby came along. And they enjoyed that experience together. Have you ever thought about Noah and his wife? There are some things I wonder about. I, I wonder about the challenge of that big honking boat. And that long period of time that they were in that process, and Moses is, uh, or Noah is, I know I'd have a kid come and correct me if I didn't correct myself. <laughs> and here Noah is out there preaching righteousness and building a big honking boat. And do you think that affected their marriage? Talk to any preacher about their preaching ministry and if it affected their wife. But they experienced the stresses and the strains of having that boat building project together. Now here they are cooped up in that big honking boat for over a year. A year and ten days if I calculated it correctly. Now I want to ask you. How would you do with your in-laws for over a year cooped up in a big honking boat with a bunch of critters? How would that have been experienced? How would that have affected your marriage? I never thought about that kind of stuff until after I wasn't married anymore. I read stories in the Bible a little bit differently now. Abraham and Sarah, all that traveling they did, very stressful, very exhausting. But they did that together. And then she comes up with this cockamamie notion about helping God out. And using Hagar. They both bought in. And there were consequences that came as a result of that within their family. But they experienced that together. They waited for a quarter of a century 
for that promised child together. The thrill of his birth. They enjoyed that great experience of his birth together. Can you imagine the stress with Moses and his wife? And the burden that he was bearing in leading the, the Israelites and how that had impacted their, their marriage. But you know, Moses' leadership was something that affected their marriage, but they dealt with all of that stress and strain and frustration and the blessings that came from that together. The beauty of marriage is that you get to enjoy your prosperity, your blessings, together. And when things tank and when life gets hard, you get to experience that together. The wisdom of God, what an awesome thing to be able to enjoy life together. I think one of the best descriptions of a great marriage and how it all happens, typically going from a stranger to a one-flesh relationship, is it's like a friendship that catches fire. And what an awesome blessing that is to experience all the ups and downs of life together with someone else. But I've been noticing one out of one dies. And at the wedding ceremony, we have twice reference to that phrase, until death do us part. It's not an eternal union. It's an until death do us part union. And there's going to be an end. I said this yesterday to the widowed people who were here. Don't ever be ashamed. Don't ever be hesitant of that title, widow or widower, because that's something to be proud of. You have hoed your row all the way to the end, and not everybody does that, but you did it. The end may have come very abruptly, and boy, what a bite that is. What a chunk of your heart that that can take away. It could have been an end that occurred after long-term caregiving. And boy, how exhausting and testing and challenging that can be in our lives. But it's going to end. And if you hold your row all the way to the end, you embrace that with pride and don't ever be ashamed of, don't ever be hesitant to claim that title of a widow or a widower. You enjoyed life together. Now, things are different. There are a lot of blessings with marriage. And they're easy to think of. I want to encourage everyone who's married, who's sitting in this room, to cherish what you have. Cherish every moment and every experience you have together. Those very difficult times, those very stressful times, those very burdensome times can help you to grow even closer to one another and more desperately dependent upon God. Look at them as blessings. 
and enjoying those prosperities and those blessings, embrace them and enjoy them with that, what we often call love of our life. But when the end happens and your mate dies, you're released or free. You may not feel that way. You may not want to be that way, but that is the reality. You are that way. You are released or free. You can even marry again if you'd like. There are about 15 million people in our country who are widowed. There are four to five times more widowed females than there are widowed males. Let me explain to you why that is. Women, statistically, have a longer lifespan than men. And the reason why that is is because us guys take such good care of you women that you live longer than we do. So that's our fault. (laughs) Women live longer than men. Now, another aspect of this is women statistically often marry older men. That's on the female gender. That's your fault. That's why we're going to have a whole lot more widowed females than we are widowed males. And we're going to struggle because we've had this relationship for so long and it's been so precious no matter how long it's been. It's not long enough. But now we have to deal with life without that rich blessing. And it's hard. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, there's something going on and no details. But there was a distress. It's referred to as a present distress. And I don't know what exactly it was, but I do know this. Paul talks in 1 Corinthians 7 about being single. And he uses some phrases that you can see on the screen about being single, about not being married. You see, when we choose to be married, we are embracing responsibilities, many, many responsibilities. There is somebody sitting in this room who described herself this way. She said, you know, Dean, I am nobody's first priority. Now, not with bitterness, but just factually. She said, my kids, you know, they have their own lives and they have children. I'm nobody's first priority. See, when we're married, we have another human being who is our first priority. And that involves a lot of responsibility. You want a magnificent marriage, here's how you get it. Total giving of the total self for a total lifetime. No matter what your age difference, no matter the difference in your skin color, no matter your socioeconomic differences, the cultural differences of your background, if you buy into, both you and that other person, buy into the total giving of the total self for a total lifetime, you can have a magnificent marriage. Now, when that marriage ends... You have a lot of responsibilities you are also released from. So what are you going to do now with all the time and effort and energy you invested into that relationship? Here on the display table to my right, there's a book called The Undistracted Widow. She has a very interesting perspective and really, I think, a very wise perspective, suggesting that it would be really, really good for us after we've lost our spouse, to pour our heart and soul into our relationship with God like we never have before. Because that's what we need most. 
I mean, man, we needed him most whenever we were enjoying marriage and the prosperity and adversity back then. But now we're A-L-O-N-E. Our marital status is not something that we like in a coupled world. But you're released and free in regard to your responsibilities and you can become more flexible now than you ever were before. I ended up, after my wife passed away, in a place called Murray City, Tennessee, population 650. I would not have been the preacher for that church for five years if my wife had still been living. And the reason why is because she would have had to have drive 30 miles to a Walmart in Jackson. I mean, in my lifetime as a married guy, I thought about being buried at Walmart in North Canton, Ohio, because I knew my wife would come there once a week to visit with me. But, see, now I could go there because my total focus, it had nothing to do with a wife. It had to do with the Lord, my relationship with the Lord, and my determination not to die because she died. Spider-Man, the uncle, said to the boy, morphing into Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. One of the blessings of being widowed is not just that freedom, that flexibility, but also the power. When we're widowed and people know that we've lost our spouse, we have a special gift, a power, an influence. With great loss comes great power of influence. One day after preaching at Murray City, Tennessee, I came into the house and I noticed I'd received a text from Katrina in Lufkin, Texas. She said, Dean, I think you'd be proud of me this morning after the amen. I went up to a couple of young ladies. Now Katrina has been widowed twice. She came up to a couple of young ladies after the amen and said, girls, love your husbands. Pour your heart and soul into that relationship. Do everything you can to make a magnificent marriage and be great mamas. Now, some guy dressed up in a suit behind a pulpit could have said the same thing that morning, but it wouldn't have had the power that it had when it came from the lips of Katrina because they knew she'd been widowed twice. Those of us who've lost our mates are blessed with a gift, the gift of Influence in other people's lives. I'm not grateful that my wife died. But I'm very grateful for the 41 years I had with her. On bended knee in Hartville, Ohio, and in Murray City, Tennessee, those first couple of years especially, I would often try in my prayer life to thank God for those 41 years. But I couldn't get the words out. I just broke down emotionally and I couldn't get the words out and I was so glad that I knew that God could hear my heart. It took me a good couple of years to be able to say that. Thank you, God, for a wonderful wife in 41 years. I did not appreciate my wife and the gift of marriage as much as I should have. Don't wait until you lose your mate to be grateful. I'll tell you one thing that will make you grateful is loss. 
I was sitting on Van Drive in Jackson, Tennessee, waiting for the nurse practitioner, a brother in the Lord, to come into that room that I was waiting him to come into. He's a brother of the Estes Church in Chester County, Tennessee. And he walked into the room, and I had this pre-planned. I wasn't going to let him address me first. I was going to address him. He walks into the room, and I said, Hey, brother, when do people appreciate their health? What do you think he did? Just real quick, he said, when they lose it. It is a shame that we human beings are like that sometimes. We don't have to be that way, but we often are that way. One of the blessings of widowhood is a deeper, more sincere and passionate grief for the blessings that we have enjoyed and that we are still enjoying because we had that blessing that now we have lost. It's a different life. There's also the blessing of vision. We do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. The things which are seen are temporary. The things which are not seen are eternal. One of the things that will change your perspective is the loss of your spouse. Now, anything that causes you to change your perspective and see more clearly and think more clearly about the eternal, that really is something to be grateful for, even though it may not be enjoyable. You know, I have uh, told one parent, I remember who was struggling with her having lost her son to the devil, to the world. And I said, Laura, I said, I want to tell you something I pray about in regard to your son. I pray that he will experience whatever he needs to experience to change his heart and cause him to come back to the Lord. That's a scary prayer. What's important and what's eternal is the unseen. Whenever you've suffered great loss, like the loss of a beloved spouse, it will cause you to think more about heaven and it will cause you to see a big distinction between things that matter and things that don't. I used to be a control freak. I'm now a recovering control freak. I used to be OCD. Now I'm a borderline OCD. And it's because of that different perspective. There are some things that don't matter much at all. There are some things that matter a whole lot. One of the blessings of widowhood is you end up meeting people that you would have never met before. Some of my blessings of widowhood are sitting in this room. People who have gone through agonizing times in their life. And I admire them so much. They are such inspirational life stories. We had over 150 widowed people who had gone through this heart-crushing experience of loss. And so many of them met one another for the first time. And they're beginning to build their social network. When a person suffers great loss in their life, typically they lose 75% of their social network. One way that can be rebuilt is by getting connected with other people with whom you share something in common that you don't want to have, and it's loss. The people that I know who I've met since I've started this ministry are some of my greatest encouragements. And I often think things like this. If Marlene has done this, 
I can do this. If Katrina has done this, I can do this. I can go on and on and on mentioning people that I know about their story and I think I know I can do this because I know people who have done this. Our examples, our life stories can be great inspiration. What I want to suggest to you is that though the loss of a spouse is an awful thing, horrific, heart-wrenching loss, that burden of loss can be converted into a blessing if we make the choice to enjoy blessings and find the blessings in our life that's different now that we'd rather not have but we're stuck with. God can help us to turn our burdens into blessings that bring glory to him and help other people. Cheryl Wayne is going to lead us in an invitation song. If you're struggling with a burden, especially the burden of sin, please don't leave this room without addressing that issue. Burdens are lifted at a very special place, Calvary, where he died. You can be buried into his death, into its benefits, and raised to walk a new life. Please don't walk out of this room without having that burden lifted. If you're burdened with something that you're struggling with in your life, this is a great family to love and support and encourage you. And if you're a mess because you're struggling with something, join the crowd. There's a bunch of us here who have baggage. You come if you'd like to enjoy the blessing of some prayers from these good folks. Come now while we stand and while we sing. Thank you for listening to this message from God's Word. If you have any questions, please email them to us at office at lavernecoc.org. Once again, we thank you for listening, and we hope you have a blessed day.